0: Hello designers. Thanks for joining the In the Fashion District podcast. And we are here. I'm Anna from Vimora. If you guys don't know Vimora, we're a company that helps launch fashion designers or helps build better systems with established designers, whether that's through pattern, sample, manufacturing, fabrics, Sources, whatever you need, we've got you covered. Today, I'm here with Jillian Clark. She's the founder of Roboro and Sustainable Consultant. So, Jillian, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your company? And yeah, just introduce yourself. Yeah, happy to.
1: Firstly, thank you for having me. Um, And yeah, so Roboro, I've had, I started five years ago. Um it it, the inspiration for the company came from my time working as a costume designer here in LA. Oh Uh, yeah. I was really um shocked by the amount of waste produced on film sets, just like across the board between like catering and scripts and wardrobe and you know, just a lot of a lot of waste across the board. Um and I've always been you know, like a recycle, like environmentalist in the like the way we all the the easy approachable ways, I guess. But I had never really done the deep dive into it. Yeah. And forgive me if there's noise in the background. I actually have movers here today. It's a very
0: uh, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> we're
1: expanding the company to the East Coast, so we just oh, have, to, have to catch me on an exciting day. Um. Yeah. So. Talking about film and waste. Oh, so I'd never really done the the deep dive, right? Into all of my, like my purchases that I was made, my purchasing power, specifically as a costume designer, we shop, our, our bread and butter is fast fashion. Forever yeah. 21, H&M, Zara, they have a huge inventory. You can do big purchases, big returns and their styles are constantly changing. So as I was kind of doing more research of the waste on set, you know, I dove into researching fast fashion and that kind of just changed the course of my career. I was pretty shocked that I had been working as a costume designer for as long as I had and was unaware of this industry and the negative impacts It has not just on the planet, but on garment workers, on soil, on water. Um, So, yeah, that was that was the inspiration of it. And then just started. So what I did is I had access to a lot of fabric and clothing from these productions. When these productions wrap, they either throw the material away, they put it in storage. So I just started collecting material, making new products out of it and selling them at local pop-ups and markets for about two years, kind of doing a lot of R&D. Yeah. And it was in 2019, we rebranded to Robro. We used to be called MeWe Clothing Brands. We got into a slight trademark battle for any of you uh, (laughs) emerging brands
0: out there looking at trademarking. (laughs) The next podcast I'm doing is actually with a lawyer. So we're going to be all all in that. (laughs) Tune in for that one. It is yeah. helpful. <laughs> yes, definitely.
1: Um, but it was actually it was really a blessing in disguise because when we rebranded to Robro, it really like I'm so much more excited with the brand now. The it has more one, it's just more robust. Before we were retail, we we're making products, selling products. Yeah. Now we have several different channels. Like we we simplified our mission is to end textile waste? And in any capacity, we can do that. So we still have the products that we sell. You can buy those on our website. We're also turning our shop into a platform for other designers, other specifically designers who are wanting to upcycle or incorporate upcycling in some capacity, because a lot of these brands, the new emerging brands, they don't have the audience necessarily. Upcycling is incredibly
0: labor-intensive. Can you define that? You're you're talking. It's great. I'm on the same page. But I know the listeners, just because I get so many newbies. Like, what What is upcycling? uh, Right. Yeah. Because these words are very trendy. They're very cool. People use them a lot. But what is the definition? Upcycling. So upcycling. I I
1: don't know the official definition, but the idea is you're you're taking something that does not have value and making it valuable, turning it into something new. So it's not recycling where you're maybe taking the fibers apart, either mechanically or chemically and turning it into a new fabric. That's recycling. Upcycling is taking the materials and reusing them in a new product or in a new way. So it's using the materials that already exist. Got it. Okay. okay. Yeah. Thank you. No, of course. Of course. I get that, I get that question a lot. Um, but yeah, so the, I was saying the different channels, we have the online shop that we're going to be hosting new upcycling designers. We have uh, a wholesale branch where we're partnering with different companies, organizations. Uh, we had a meeting with like LA tourism recently and trying to find companies that are wanting sustainable merch, right? Let's say like trade shows, people buy or organizations buy thousands of tote bags, swag, water bottle holders, all that stuff. So like doing large orders of upcycled swag at a wholesale capacity. I'm also consulting for, as I mentioned earlier, emerging brands who are incorporating sustainability into their business ethos. Um, yeah so it's really oh and then of course the final is like waste solution so we collect dead stock fabric dead stock fabric is materials that are you know dead stock is actually kind of complicated it's it's essentially fabric that is destined for the landfill but it is also a word that's become very trendy yes <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we collect like true dead stock stuff that is sitting in the back of warehouses it's going to get thrown away it's not being put to use and we have a, a large inventory of that and we can set we sell that wholesale that we can part we've partnered with Cal State Northridge and their design and merchandising um department so just finding new homes for all this material
0: amazing and what would you say because when you were doing your research and and looking into you know how harmful the industry is what was like the biggest shocker that like you didn't think about or that the normal consumer has no idea about how harmful i don't know what, what was the surprising yeah.
1: there's you know there's a couple there's a lot of the like stats that you'll you'll see advertised like it takes like like 1,200 gallons of water to make a pair of blue jeans. Like that's a pretty staggering figure Um, for me. Like when I was trying to come up with stats for actual textile waste. So when you do like a big production run and you cut out your pattern pieces, there's all those little scraps that just end up on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Annually, the amount of scraps that end up on the cutting room floor could cover the state of West Virginia. Wow. That was a pretty staggering one. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And then another one, this one's it's like, it's a little darker, but it's really heartbreaking because it's not just the environmental impact, right? There's the human impact.
0: Yeah. Because
1: we've outsourced the majority of our clothing manufacturing overseas to where labor is really cheap, where the farming is really cheap when you're collecting crops. And I believe it was in The True Cost, the documentary. Um, yeah, I was going to bring that up. Love Yeah, that. yeah. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend it. But there, I believe it was in India, and they were doing reports on farmers who, sadly, when they're, they weren't paid by their, either they're paid by the brands for their crops or if they had a bad crop, will be often go out to their farm it's like a common enough thing that they're reporting on it they go out into their fields and commit suicide it's like a common enough practice for these particular like specific farmers so like that was a really really shocking thing that like because you don't the average consumer doesn't think that far back in the supply chain right like where are the, where are the crops coming from? Where are the natural fibers coming from? Who's growing them? What chemicals are they using? Um, yeah. So those are just a couple that really have stood out to me.
0: And that's, uh, for the listeners, the true cost of the documentary, I think is on, um, is it on Netflix? It's on Netflix. Yeah. Amazing. So if you haven't seen it and you're, it's like a must see for anyone considering doing anything sustainable is a true 100
1: percent it was it was the real eye-opener for me when yeah. I finished that It was just like well this is what I this is what I'm doing now <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah amazing so let's get in I've got some questions for you yeah um so what is the definition of sustainability and what are the common interpretations of sustainability you've seen so this is just every designer it seems like is wanting to do sustainable, which is great, amazing that everybody yeah. wants to do sustainable, but it seems like it's kind of watered down and people don't really know what that means yeah. nor know what direction to go with. Because I always yes. say that, like, well, how are you sustainable? Is it with people? Is it with fabrics? Is it with, like there seems to be so many, like it seems to be a very broad definition. So how do you define yes. sustainability?
1: It is, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. It's very vague. It's very broad. But what's great about its vagueness is you can kind of make it mean whatever is most important to you, you know, personally. Yeah. Like how I would, in regards to like a, a fashion collection, if I were to just kind of do a, an overall definition, really is the the triple bottom line, right? We're not just worried about profit, we're also worried about people and planet. Mm -hmm. So sustainability, it's, it's not just the environmental impact we need to consider, you know, your materials, the dyes you're using, the shipping, I mean, shipping is one of the hugest contributors to the carbon footprint if you're manufacturing overseas and then you're shipping it back here. Right. I'm going to wait until they're done packing to help your editing. There we go. Um, so if you're, if you're manufacturing overseas and it's being shipped around, you know, because oftentimes your fabric comes from the farmers and then it has to go to the mill and then it needs to go to the production facility. So there's that impact and you can consider all of that human impact. Again, where's it being made? Are the people treated ethically? Are they paid a living wage? And then lastly, and this is one that I think a lot of people don't really consider is in order for you, your sustainable business to make a difference, to have an impact, you have to make a profit. Like, so right.
0: that,
1: so not just sustainable in the environmental impact, the human impact, but also the financial impact. If you're not making money, you can't,
0: you know, make a difference. That's great. touch um, on that because... When a new designer comes to me and they want to do and I they, I say, Well, what's the most important for sustainability? And they're like, Everything. Everything's down. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, your product's gonna be like a thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, and 100%. you kind of have to pick and choose
1: what's most important. Yes. So that is typically like, so the clients that I have been working with usually have some sort of idea because they're they reach out to me because they are they've already done a little bit of digging I want to use you know recycled materials or I want to use sustainable materials some people their their cause is like water water conservation so then we can kind of choose which fibers use the least water I have one client right now that's wanting to do all recycled materials so we're figuring out is that dead stock is that recycled content are those close up like figuring out the diff because it's what does your budget allow right right so yeah you can that is always like kind of the first conversation is what what is sustainable to you what does that mean to you do we want to work with natural fibers do we want to work with recycled polyester um and it's kind of it's a conversation of what are the what are the priorities? And then the next question is, what is your budget? Because right. doing something sustainably is always going to be more expensive.
0: Right. Always. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you also touched on, do you work with, let's say that a designer wants to figure out the um, carbon footprint of their design. Yeah. That's another word. Like, what does that mean? How do you figure that out? Where does that <laughs> information come from? It's, it's, it's not
1: easy. It's doable. I had a client, <laughs> last, <laughs> I had a client last year I was working with, and I, I'm fairly certain they haven't launched this yet because the, the technology, the thing with the fashion industry is it's so antiquated. It hasn't really needed to be updated. It's always worked. I mean, it's one of our, you know, oldest industries. So technology just hasn't caught up. It's not you know,
0: it's yeah, and like just the in fashion industry is like 1983 at max, we might be there. We're we're like at least 40 years, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah. And that's like <laughs> the US is even further behind, at least, you know, in uh, yeah. the country where the demand is high, they've built the infrastructure.
0: Right.
1: You know, we just don't have the infrastructure here anymore. Yeah. Um uh, sorry, remind oh like a carbon footprint. Yes. yes,, carbon
0: footprint.
1: So the carbon, yeah, this client I was working with, their whole mission was to have a, like a QR code, and a lot of brands are doing this now. you have a QR code for each garment that you can scan, and you could see the carbon footprint of that garment. We have collected all the information on where the yarn had come from. Where did it travel to to be knit? Where did it travel to to be dyed? And all we collected all of that data and then we're able to calculate, okay, between the natural resources used and shipping, and then also you have to account for end of life because that is the majority of a garment's carbon footprint. There's the shipping is a big one and then end of life. Okay. And what do you mean by that? Exactly. So when you're done with a garment, right, you've had it for a long time, maybe... You've had it for whatever 10 years this is a really good garment. You've had it for a long time. You're all done with it. What do you do with it? Do you donate it? Do you throw it away? Do you upcycle it into something new? Uh that I mean, I think we're putting dumping 13 billion tons of let me see. I don't even know what the stat is. Hang on, I have it on my website here. <laughs> the amount of textiles that are just dumped in landfills yeah because they we don't have a plan for them we think that if you just throw it away it's out of sight out of mind but most of our garments have polyester in them at this point that doesn't break down that's plastic yeah you can't burn it right exactly um so So what should people do
0: with their clothes when they're done with them
1: So it depends. And this is kind of this is actually probably one of my biggest requests with new clients right now is I think people are realizing that we can use sustainable fabrics, we can use recycled materials, like we can do all of that. But now the challenge is what do we do when we're done with them? And so when you donate clothing, because that's I think people's go-to, you should be aware that only 20% of donated clothing stays here in the U S 80% gets bundled and shipped abroad. Really? Why is that just because we have so much, especially since, I mean, I think it really started to explode around like 2008 with the rise of fast fashion. We just started producing like that much more clothing. So people were consuming That much more clothing, which means people were donating that much more clothing, and our waste system here in the U.S. couldn't process it. Okay,
0: so where are they sending it?
1: So we're sending it to India. We were sending it to the west coast of Africa, but just a couple years ago, they instituted um, some new legislature that they are no longer accepting secondhand clothing from the U.S. or Europe because it was their local
0: textile industry. Huh. Okay. We're using having secondhand clothes instead of new garments. Well, so what it
1: originally, when this first started, as most things are in theory, it was a great idea at the beginning because we were sending clothing to These countries were like, people were able to set up their own businesses, right? There's entrepreneurs over there that wanted to set up vintage shops, secondhand shops of Western clothing. And so it did allow um, entrepreneurs to start their their own businesses. So that was kind of the, the argument for a long time, but cut to, you know, 10, 15 years later, what we're essentially sending is our trash clothing. Like it's most of the material is garbage, even overseas. It's not clothed. Like it's not clothing. People are going to purchase. So most okay. of it ends up in a landfill in a different country.
0: Got it. Got so it. what was
1: happening on the West coast of Africa is they have, you know, Africa has, has a beautiful, um, textile industry, all of their like waxed mm-hmm. cotton prints. It's, yeah. it's beautiful. Um, But the clothing that was coming in from the U.S. and Europe was cheaper. It was more affordable. Why were people going to invest in these more expensive, you know, granted, local uh, fabrics and designs when they could buy something cheaper? So all of their local industry was slowly dying out. So that was why they put in this new legislation where they weren't accepting clothes to try and rebuild Their own industry, and then of course, they were slapped with um fines from the US and Europe because now what were we supposed to do with our own waste? We had to figure out what to do with it,
0: (laughs) yeah. What do they do with it now? Just landfills sending it elsewhere.
1: And sure, we're still sending, um, yeah, it's still getting sent um abroad, it's getting thrown out. I mean, brand this is the thing is like brands are just having to figure out what to do with it. I mean, the huge Burberry um controversy a couple years ago where they were caught burning their merchandise luxury brands really came under the microscope because they were they were busted burning their own products
0: right because they they didn't want it to be marked down or at those exactly 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 wild i mean this seems to all come down to like the core issue is the consumer it's us. (laughs) We're buying too much. much. We're wearing too much. We need like, we're forced to have the new season, the new clothes, the new colors. Yeah. Which is then it's kind of a double-edged sword
1: for brands, right? Because if to be like, to solve the root of the problem is we just need to consume less and we need things longer, which how does a brand stay in business? If you're trying to teach your shoppers, like, don't buy as much and don't buy as often. So you've gotta brands are having to really think outside the box as to how to stay relevant, how to keep you know, customers, how to you know, in in an industry where the sustainable choice is to stop producing products and yeah, you are in the true. business of producing products.
0: Well that's, hey, yeah this- <laughs> this is something I tell our clients all the time. is like, you really have to educate your consumer. And, and, and it has been happening. You have seen it where there's this shift away from like being more mindful about what you're purchasing instead of the fast fashion. Like how many there's brands that'll say how many wears that you'll get out of their garment. And Brands that are taking back old clothes to upcycle. So I think we're moving in the right direction. It's not all disaster. No, 100%. We are absolutely
1: like, it's the way the industry is going, which is super, um, it's really exciting to see. Yeah. Like knowing that the power is with the consumer is a really encouraging you know, idea, like the consumer, we have the power to, to change
0: this. (laughs) So what would you say for a new brand, like what obstacles are they going to come in to like run into trying to have effect, like an effective, sustainable brand? What are the obstacles they should look for or that are common?
1: The obstacles. Yeah. I mean, the main, I mean, I would say number one is budget, especially for new brands. I think most, what I see most is people kind of go in very ambitious. Like you're saying, okay, what do you want to do sustainably? And then say everything. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's, that's everything from fabric to dyes to labels, hang tags, packaging, you know, that yeah. starts to add up. So budget number one technology i think is another one like just what materials are available depending on what people are wanting to work with like recycled polyester and recycled nylon at this point is widely available right recycled natural fibers less so right so if you're wanting to use like recycled cotton but you're still wanting that like really soft cotton feel when you the process of recycling cotton shortens the the strands of yeah. the of the fiber so it naturally makes it rougher so it almost has more of like a hemp feel so then yeah. to soften it you put it through an enzyme wash or a silicone wash but then you're adding chemicals.
0: Right. That's the thing so too fun. like a lot of these things like vegan leather is hilarious it's plastic yeah I <laughs> like, say, it's like where they just label talking. it a certain way and you're like yeah. <laughs> but it's still harmful you know it's but it's hard i mean everyone's heart's in the right place they're trying to do something right it's just around the education around like well what does that mean you know right once you, once you die in organic cotton isn't
1: that no longer not? organic right exactly unless like, you are or diet organically
0: right Color palette. Expensive. <laughs> yeah, it's expensive and the color palette is limited because you're literally using beets or yeah. fruits or grains or tea, you know, so. And yeah. you can't
1: necessarily do that at scale. Right, right. So that's right. a challenge. Um, so yeah, just like the the technology, we're getting there, the technology to, to, sort dead stock fabric so we know what the content is, the technology to recycle natural fibers, um, traceability, like tracing, like you were asking earlier, how do you know the carbon footprint of your garment? Right. We need to have more traceability. We need to have more transparency, more accountability, not just from the brands, but from the manufacturers, from the mills who, you know, create harvest the the materials and the fabric or the, the yarn rather. Yeah. So technology, budget, and then I think consumer awareness really Yeah. is, that's the biggest thing. That was one of the biggest things I ran into in my first years with the company when I was doing the markets and the pop-ups is I really loved talking to people. Cause that was, again, that was five, six years ago and it wasn't as trending as it is now. So it required a lot more talking to people, educating people. What I ran into is the altruistic approach. While it applies in the sustainability world, I think a lot, because sustainability, it's not just fashion, right? It's everywhere at this point. It's every single industry. Yeah. Um, And you can kind of take an altruistic approach most of the time. Like this is, we should be doing this for, the good of the planet for the good of ourselves for the good of future generations. And you can understand that when it's like planting trees and recycling and like composting like all of that. But when it comes to fashion and clothing, what I, and again, this is just speaking from my own experience, but what I found was people loved the idea. Like that's so great. That's so admirable. I love that it's too expensive. It's too expensive for me to buy or it's too, I don't like the style. It's maybe like too crunchy granola again, back. Sometimes upcycling can be very patchworky or like sustainable brands can be very like, you know, it's, it maybe doesn't have the style. So really I found the way when people shop for clothing, it's much more price and design rather than the sustainability.
0: Yeah. So Uh, yeah. For the people listening yeah. what can they do like what are three things because it's just there's there's so much you know like if you're gonna try the the reusable plastic toothpaste the like there's just so much in the world <laughs> that it's like impossible to create no harm and like to have this great carbon footprint but like what are three things when it comes to well let's talk about three things that the designer can do that are simple and three things that a consumer can do that are simple or if you can't come up with three just as many as you can think of just like simple things because it's very daunting it's very overwhelming and there's so many things but like if everyone did something little what would you advise
1: hundred percent so from a designer standpoint Easiest thing you can start off with is choose a sustainable material. And you can they can choose what sustainable is to them and it might be determined by what the design is, what are they making. If you're using cotton, switch it out for organic cotton. It's going to be a little bit more, but supporting the organic cotton farmers yes. is a huge way to change the industry. So that's an easy swap. If you're using a polyester fabric, swap to recycled polyester. Then you're supporting the recycling industry. That technology that I mentioned earlier that hasn't caught up, it's only going to catch up if we support the recyclers. Right. So recycled polyester, recycled nylon. um, And just natural fibers. You like research the fibers. Tencel is a great fiber. You know, using um, like... for a long time bamboo was what one of the sustainable fibers and now that is kind of controversial because while the plant itself the process the process exactly the plant may regenerate but it requires so much water to turn it into material exactly so like that sort of those are some easy swaps um for the fabric um what else can we do designers designers i mean Like I said, with the shipping, shipping is a huge contributor to the carbon footprint. If you're able, if you're a US brand and you're able to manufacture domestically, again, you're you're supporting um, an industry here in the US that is severely lacking infrastructure. And the only way we're going to build that infrastructure up is to prove there's a demand. Right. It will be, it will always be cheaper to produce overseas. Right. But if you, once you account for, yeah, those savings, it's also, you get larger orders. So then you're sitting on more inventory. So is it just creating more, you know, if you're just sitting on a bunch of inventory, you don't know if you're going to sell it. So to, I would say manufacturing domestically if you have the capacity to, but that yeah. it does get more expensive. Um, I think those are really two easy things. And if you can't, you know, afford big things like that source recycled trims sustainable trims your labels your zippers your buttons like yeah,
0: yeah. recycled paper, paper on your hand yes.
1: <laughs> yes. I mean they you can get there they make buttons now made out of recycled paper right. recycled hemp like you you have to do a bit more digging, but it's all there. So, like those yeah. are all little, just swap out, see what your materials are and be like, is there a, a swap out that suits our budget? Right. And then you can just slowly start making your line more and more sustainable. Yeah. Um, absolutely. As far as consumers, I mean, my number one thought is just um, be a conscious consumer, don't impulse buy think about um, the purchases you're making. Like I always joke when I need to buy something, I very rarely buy things new. I almost always shop secondhand, but sometimes, you know, you, you need a new pair of sneakers, you need new undergarments. So I it like go down a research rabbit hole of what style do I want? What brands are doing this sustainably or ethically? Like, who do I want to support? And I make very intentional purchases with anything that's new.
0: Yeah,
1: because um, then you also you're more excited for your purchase, right? As opposed to if you're just out, you impulse buy something, you wear it once or twice. And you're actually like, you know, I don't really I'm not crazy about this. If you spend the time like researching the product, researching the company, get to know who the story behind the company, you get more excited for it. And then you have this great story to tell when you're you know, someone asks you, oh my God, I love your shirt. Oh, it's from this amazing brand. Let me tell you all about it. So I think, I think just being a more conscious consumer, being aware of what you're buying, who you're buying it from and why are you buying it? Yeah. It addresses the underlying issue of just over-consumption.
0: Because it's the same as like, it could be as simple as buying US made because then we know the carbon footprint's lighter. Like that's just one, it could just, it could just be a local brand. It'd just be that, just And shop. that's going to help. Yeah. It could be recycled fabric and that could help. But yeah, finding, again, just one way to support. Yeah. And I mean, if you're looking like, so certain things
1: uh, I mentioned earlier, denim, like denim is one of the dirtiest fibers to produce, quote unquote, like, like cotton is a very like dirty fiber because of how much water it can cons- requires right so if you're buying jeans like I personally if I'm buying new jeans I only go to Levi's uh just because I believe they're they're working with a company ever new up in Seattle that is working on different investing in technologies on how to recycle denim
0: Right. Can you donate them back to at Levi's don't they have those bins where you can bring back your jeans?
1: Yeah. I think I don't I think they're still doing that. Yeah. A lot of brands are doing the jean take back. But another yeah. easy if you don't want to buy like buying vintage. Find yeah. like vintage denim is an easy swap. Just shopping vintage shopping second hand if you can't afford the the new sustainable products, which I feel like most people cannot, shop thrift just go thrifting buy stuff yeah. secondhand
0: great well that is some really great advice <laughs> i think we covered a lot would you have anything to add oh i don't let me see
1: let me look at your. i'm gonna look at the questions real quick um brand evaluate where to invest is it cost efficient? This one I thought was interesting. Is it cost efficient for brands to change their whole supply chain to be more sustainable? That one's really interesting because it is really difficult um, to swap your supply chain. Like it is a lot of work to get your supply chain in place, it's a lot of trial and error, and troubleshooting, and finding the right partners. So once you have that system in place to go back and change it, it can take a long time. So you don't want to change it all at once. Otherwise you get a bottleneck. So you kind of change slowly over time, which is why a lot with the brands that I consult for, we aim to set up their supply chain correctly from the get-go. And that doesn't mean it's sustainable across the board. I just mean, we have those conversations before we start establishing the supply chain and of course it's going to pivot as you're going through the the troubleshooting and the trial and error but if you if you do it right from the beginning it saves you so much time and money down the road
0: right right that makes a lot of sense and if someone's looking to find you hire you where do they go yeah. Ah. Yeah. What's your Instagram? What's all the stuff? So our Instagram is
1: at Roboro underscore official. Can you spell that? R-O-B-O-R-O Got it. underscore official. And Roboro, for anyone who's interested, it's a it's actually a Latin word and it means to give physical or moral strength to.
0: Mm, I, I love that.
1: Very poetic for trying to strengthen old fabric strength in the fashion industry <laughs> yeah
0: that's great
1: um and then our website which we are going to be relaunching this week on our fifth birthday is roboro 6 the number six, dot com.
0: perfect mm-hmm. all right well thank you so much we really got a lot out of this i was excited to do this just because so many people are using that word sustainable and this dives more into like what that means and what to look for yeah, and what questions to ask. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. This is Anna Livermore from in the fashion district and stay tuned next time we will be talking legal and we'll have a lawyer on for a two-part series um, about legal actions you need to take around your designs. So thank you again so much, Jillian. And it was great thank to have you. for having Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure talking with you.